Hello, this is Shirley Smith with Bridge the Gap. Today we will talk about Advent and our observance of Advent. Some churches observe Advent, which is really the start of Advent is the fourth Sunday prior to the 25th of December. And so typically churches will have four candles that they light. One they light each week. And so those candles stand for hope, joy, love, and peace. And so what we will do today is talk about Advent, talk about the history of Advent, and then look at scriptures uh, according to the lectionaries that are around America, uh, some scriptures that we will discuss, and how those scriptures relate to today, and how they relate to Advent, and how our desire should be to have hope, love, joy, and peace in our hearts, always, not just for one day. You will enjoy this. I'm so glad you came to think with me today. Hello, this is Shirley Smith with Bridge the Gap, and today we're talking about Advent. Advent is actually, what is that? It is actually when we come to prepare ourselves for the second coming of Jesus. And so many churches uh, around the world will light candles and typically they have about four candles. They light one each week and it's uh, the observation starts with the fourth Sunday before uh, December 25th. So that day then can vary based upon what day December 25th actually falls on. So uh, it starts with the fourth Sunday before uh, December 25th. Uh, the purpose is to prepare ourselves and my thing is this is that the candles represent some wonderful um, concepts, which is hope, love, joy, and peace. And so when we look at that, I'm hoping to relate uh, this Advent season, not to just Christmas and, and buying gifts for people, but to relate it to how we should prepare our hearts to receive Christ and also to receive each other as humans. How can we actually uh, present as a gift to others hope, love, joy, and peace, not just for one day, December 25th, but for the rest of our life. And so that's what we will talk about today. And so just to let you know, um, I will use scripture here, and then I will use scripture found in the lectionary. But instead of reading all of the scripture, what I will do is do a quick summary of what that scripture says, and then you're welcome to go back and read that for yourself. But I think you will like this because I plan to relate this to today, what is going on in the world today, and how it relates to how we prepare our hearts as individuals. And so first of all, let us talk about uh, John 16 and 33, which says that Jesus is uh, Jesus, we have peace. When we have Jesus, we have peace. And then John 8 and 12 says that Jesus is the light of the world. So in, in essence, what we're being told here in this scripture, Jesus is the light of the world. So if you have Jesus, if you have the Holy Spirit within, then you should never be totally shocked or surprised by what movements are going on on the earth. For example, we have a movement that's going on called Black Lives Matter right now. And if you were to look all over the world, uh, that justice theme is actually going forth all over the world. And so 
these movements should not totally surprise us. Now, because it is a global movement, that's quite surprising because I don't know that we've had that. And the other thing that's quite surprising for us are things like the coronavirus. So COVID-19 is a surprise to the whole world because the whole world is dealing with it. Now, it just so happens that some part of the world is dealing with it more than others. But we have all of this going on at the same time, which causes anxiety among us. So one of the things we want to consider doing this Advent season is don't let our emotions get out of control where we forget that what we really want to focus on for this season is hope, love, joy, and peace. Now, one of the things that we have, we know that happens annually in America specifically, uh, usually about 22%, approximately that number or percentage of people actually go into debt after Christmas. And then we need to actually read our word, meaning the word of God, in order to prepare ourselves to become awake so that we can be the hands, the eyes, the mouth, and the feet of Jesus. And so instead of just shopping and trying to buy gifts and putting ourselves in greater debt, the greater thing during this season would be to realize what do I personally need to do in order to prepare myself to behave like Jesus, to actually follow the ways that he does things. So who are we? 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, we are the body of Christ, all of us, all denominations of Christianity, male and female, all social constructs, all ethnicities, the rich, the poor, the homeless, and the people from all countries globally. Uh, So remember that America's population is very small compared to the rest of the world because sometimes, because we live in America, and especially now since we haven't been able to travel for about nine, ten months or so, uh, we tend to forget that there are 7.7 billion people approximately on the earth. And many of those people, which is a very good thing, are praying for the United States of America right now. Well, why are they doing that? They're praying because we have a greater uh, issue with the virus. We have over 11 million people infected and we have over 250, I think about 60,000 deaths from one virus from COVID-19. And in addition to that, we are not able to really uh, travel to other countries because there's a ban where we cannot come because we are so infected with the virus that other countries don't want us to bring it to them. Many of the countries are having an opportunity to actually move forward and start to reopen things so that their economy is improving and people are able to do their shopping for Christmas. Uh, so, uh, but we are having to be a little bit more conservative here in the United States of America. So just to, just to say that the body of Christ then is a combination of all of us. So even those other countries where people are being released and then also they're praying because we seem to be having quite a stint with this virus. Uh, And then also we are having quite an issue with uh, injustice within America. So what we do is we find ourselves as a divided body of Christ. And as we know, divided we cannot survive. So there are four themes in the scriptures 
that are in the lectionary for this time of the year. So the scriptures are Isaiah 64, 1 through 9. And the theme that I've assigned to that box of scriptures, or block of scriptures, is living Christ-like versus legalism. How do we live Christ-like versus legalism? And then the next group of scriptures is Psalm 80, 1 through 7, 16 through 18. The theme I've given there is waking up and crying out for restoration. And what we have to uh, be comfortable with is that all of us humans (laughs) are at different stages of alertness. So sometimes we get upset and have high anxiety because let's just say maybe we're not in agreement with our mother or our siblings or our friends or coworkers. Well, just realize that we're all at different stages of alertness. The next block of scriptures that we will refer to is 1 Corinthians 1, uh, chapter 1, 3 through 9, plus uh, scriptures 10 through 17 in that same chapter. And I have said the theme for that is the need for teachers and mentors to locate Christ's pathway. So there are so many people who have been focused on the election, focused on the virus, focus on injustices, focus on marching, and all that's going on on the news, that they have gotten to a point where they have forgotten what is the pathway that Christ would take. So if I'm a follower of Christ, what is that? What am I supposed to be doing? What did Christ do? What would he do in this situation? And then Mark 13th chapter 24 through the 37th verse, The theme I've assigned to that is the need to wake up and remain awake. So who is God and why is it that we have determined that we're unclean? So if we want to look at the first block of scriptures is Isaiah 64, 1 through 9, where we need to pay attention to, are we living like Christ? or Are we pretending to live like Christ? And I call that legalism. So just a quick summary of Isaiah 64, 1 through 9. First of all, let me suggest this. When you're reading scripture, don't just read one little block of scripture, but try to go back and understand what is actually going on in scripture. And then ask God, how can I apply this scripture to what's going on in my life today or what's going on in my environment today? And so what I did for uh, Isaiah 64, 1 through 9, I read the scripture first, and then I said, well, let me get a little context to go with this. So I actually went back and I read Isaiah 60, Isaiah 61, 62, 63, and 64. And so just a summary of what was actually going on. And I wanted to know because what we're seeing in 64 Isaiah 64, it's saying that the people saying we're unclean, but they're talking about how good God is. So how does that relate? How did they get to that point? So what was happening then is very similar to what is happening today. The people were beginning to realize their own iniquities, like division within their families, friends, neighbors, oppression of each other, enslavement of each other, inequalities that exist among the people, obsessions with things other than God. For example, being obsessive over the election and wanting to recount the votes and all that sort of a thing. 
And then also people were obsessed with judgment of others. Like, oh, is that, that's a sin. So you should not be doing this sin and should not be doing that sin. But then as the scriptures say, first get the plank out of your eye before you can tell your friend or neighbor or peer to take, uh, you know, the splinter out of their eye. So as they realized that they were unclean, they also realized their need for God. So they said, no one has seen or heard of a God like our God, who takes care of those who wait on him. Who are the people that's making these statements? So let's think about them. Well, first of all, when I looked through chapters of Isaiah 60 through 64, what I realized is that the people we're talking about here are the children of Jacob. The children of Jacob were actually so mistreated and uh, in, in their time, and they were enslaved in Egypt, and the pharaohs were very wealthy people who actually put sometimes 100,000 men building one pyramid. Now, I had an opportunity to see the pyramids, the temples, and also the, um, uh, the tombs of the pharaohs. And it's amazing because they had, have dug up 66 different tombs so each pharaoh had their own tomb, and in some cases they would have maybe areas for their family to be buried, uh, areas for animals to be buried. Uh, these tombs were huge. So the one that I walked into uh, seems like it could be anywhere from 1,200 to 2,000 square feet. And the reason why I say there's such a wide difference in the square footage is because what I was able to walk through was about 1,200 square feet, but there were about three other tunnels like that I could have gone through if it wasn't prohibited. So for some reason they had those blocked off and you could not go all the way through the one tomb that I went through. But it was huge, very elaborate, wonderful paintings on the ceilings, on the walls. And even though these tombs are like 3,000, 4,000 years old, it's amazing. Uh, they're still, the, the colors are vivid and it is incredible art. Uh, that still exist in these tombs, but these were very, very wealthy pharaohs. And so let's take a look at uh, what happens when these people in Isaiah began to realize that they were unclean. They said, okay, well, first of all, these people were not just anyone. They were children of Jacob, so they knew who God was. Now, had they gotten away from maybe the worship that they used to know maybe generations prior, possibly. And so, but they did know this, we are longing for God. And the other thing they realize is that they gladly do the right thing. And then they also remembered God's ways. And so they would also tell of his doing and his goodness. And you know, sometimes it feels as if God steps aside to allow room for our iniquities to become obvious like perversity, immorality, grossly unfair behavior, indifference to what is happening to those unlike us, and inattention blindness. The rest of the world, that 7.4 billion or so that we talked about earlier, uh, can see the iniquities that are actually found within the United States of America at this time because we are actually on a global stage. The whole world is actually looking at us right now and social media has a lot to do with that. And so our actions toward each other have become very obvious. 
So for example, uh, there was an Indian pastor that came on and I just found this by mistake on uh, YouTube. And he talked about, he had come to America to teach and he was talking about that the other countries have lost faith in America because it says America doesn't seem to care anymore. We're not praying for each other. And so uh, the Christians in other countries are thinking, oh my God, what's going on in America? Because they're not praying for each other. They're not praying for their country. And look what's happening in the country. They're having hurricanes. They're having fires. They're having earthquakes. They've got the virus. And so they need to really pray. So I do believe other countries are certainly praying for us. But the question is, based upon what they're seeing on social media, are we praying for each other? So now, Ile Witzel is a Romanian-born American. He's a professor, political activist, Nobel laureate, and a Holocaust survivor. Uh, he has many valuable sayings, which are so appropriate for quotes uh, that we can use today. And one of the quotes that he has is, whenever men and women are persecuted because of their race, religion, or political views, that place must at that moment become the center of the universe. We saw this with the murder of George Floyd. The world watched and they even protest in the streets, marched in hundreds of people to thousands of people per city. And if you were to go to, the, uh, to YouTube, you could type in any country or our main city and you will be able to see the protesting and what the protesters were saying. And they were very serious about the injustices that were going on in America. And they felt that they'd been going on for so many years that they just felt they had to come out and protest in the midst of a virus in their country, the COVID-19 virus, they still felt a need to go out and protest because they felt that injustice had gone on way too long in America against African-Americans. And so uh, the other thing that uh, he said, a quote is this, the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. And the reason he said that is because he said when the Jews were being killed, the rest of Europe did nothing. They absolutely exhibited indifference. So in America, we have experienced indifference as well concerning enslavement and killing and mistreating of African Americans, of Native Americans, Asian Americans, and Latino Americans. Uh, there have been groups that are formed uh, that are discussing all of this, discussing the history of America and how it really got started and uh, how the people were treated, the Native Americans, how the land was taken. And as we continue to take more land across what was what is now called the United States, I guess Texas and uh, California was once Mexico, but it was taken from Mexico by the early settlers into America. So there, all of this is our history. And history continues really to repeat itself because Egypt, where the children of Jacob were enslaved and abused, uh, as we said, we had the very, uh, very wealthy pharaohs who actually enslaved hundreds of thousands of people. And they were the ones who built, the slaves were the ones who built those huge temples that still stand today. And actually, you could take a cruise 
on the Nile from Upper Egypt to Lower Egypt. And Upper Egypt happens to be the bottom of Egypt, but from the bottom of Egypt all the way up to Alexandria. And uh, while you're on your cruise, you can stop in the various cities like Aswan, where you find Nubians. Uh, still, uh, it, and this is an interesting fact about the Nubians, that they were the ones who came up with the name Yahweh for God, meaning the ultimate, the highest God, no God higher than Yahweh. And that name was also taken in by the Jews and the Hebrews. And so there's many facts that we can learn when we go out of the country and go visit some of these places that are actually mentioned in the Bible. And so going on with uh, the Egyptian history, I found it interesting that uh, the Egyptians felt that once a person dies, they go through judgment and they're asked questions about, let's see, what sins did you do? Did you lie? Did you steal? Did you kill? And so they would have to answer these questions. And the way they determined whether or not the person was a truthful person and a just person, they actually took the organs out that the person didn't need in their eternal life. And those were things like the intestines, the lungs, the liver, the brain, and the heart. Now, what they did with the heart is that they actually put it on a scale and they would weigh this heart. And they would have on the other scale what they call a feather of faith and justice. And so if that scale was heavier with the heart, then the crocodile would eat the person and the person would not have eternal life. Now, if that scale, meaning that they had great faith in God and they also were a very just person when they lived, they treated people justly, if that happened, that meant they would have eternal life and they could go spend their eternal life in their wonderfully built tomb that they have. So now, similar, a similar concept in the Christian scriptures, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And Psalms 26 and 2 says, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me, try my heart. This time of Advent, we should be focusing on love, peace, joy, hope, not division, not hatred, not tearing each other down with our words, or any other human precepts that we have come to. Uh, so this is what we need to do in that first thing, which is we're unclean. Let's identify that. And then let's call upon God, who we know to be very faithful. Now, the second group of a uh, block of scriptures was Psalm 81 through 7 and 16 through 18. And the theme here again was waking up and crying out for restoration. Now, this is the thing that's interesting. People are crying out for God saying, save us, come help us, restore us. Our enemies are laughing at us. Show us the light of your countenance. So here the people realize they have done wrong. So now they're crying out to God. And it's interesting. They still have a little bit of pride, it seems, because it says, People are laughing at us. So they're concerned about how people are seeing them. And again, keep in mind, these are descendants and generations of the children of Jacob. And so uh, it's, it goes on to say, um, 
show us your light. So all that simply means is, Father, God the Father, show us your countenance, your presence. We want your presence because we know with your presence we're going to be fine. And you can help clean our hearts and, and get us ready for your second, your return, your second return. So now, this is what we need to do when we look at today. Instead of us just really becoming concerned and getting caught up with elections and viruses and all of that, we need to realize that truth is just rising this season. Martin Luther King made a statement that truth knocked to the ground will rise again. So truth is rising. Some people will accept the truth that's rising. And I consider those to be the people that are crying out to God saying, save us. And then some people reject what truth is coming forth. And I think those people may be saying, God, come help us. And then you have others who are indifferent. They really don't care about truth. And they don't care to know that they don't understand the difference. So Romans 8 and 19 says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. God's glory will reveal people, animals, plants. We will have clean air, clean water, clean skies. Now this is the interpretation of scholars, that one day the glory of God will be on the earth and we will have clean air clean water, and clean, clear skies. And so this is interesting because going back to the world is praying for us now. I had an opportunity to go to Nairobi, Kenya, and this was like 2018 in October. And I was attending a consultation and worship conference where there were 30 nations represented, uh, meaning 30 countries were represented. And so specifically, even in 2018, people at the conference were adamant to pray for America because they felt America was in trouble. Just the observations from across the waters. And then also, uh, I noticed that on YouTube, you can actually find where the United Nations, as well as the World Economic Forum, has been holding sessions regarding the injustices and inequalities with African Americans and are dealing with, uh, and that we have been dealing with from the time of slavery all the way to the time of George Floyd. As a matter of fact, the United Nations is actually calling that internal terrorism. And so um, there are, sometimes it feels that um, we have not seen ourselves, but the world is actually coming up with ways to help us. So the World Economic Forum is focused on how can we make the entire world, including the United States, a better place. And so one of the uh, several things that the uh, World Economic Forum are focused on right now, they said for the next generation, because it's too late to do all of this for this generation, but they've come up with about $11 trillion so far. And what they want to do for the next generation is provide clean air, clean water, clear skies, equality in how we treat each other. They want to dissolve homelessness, dissolve poverty, educate all who desire education. And this uh, reminds me of something that God wants for all of us, his children. God wants us to 
live life a healthy life and prosper in life, as the scriptures say. And so this is so interesting that the World Economic Forum is looking at all of these things. They are really looking at how do we stamp out poverty? Because they know that it's possible. We have the very wealthy billionaires, and then we have the very poor and we have people that's below the poverty mark. The concern that they see in the United States is not only injustice, but because we are the number one economic country right now, and economically the number one country, the concern is that our poverty level is growing, and it's growing at a rapid rate every year. It's getting bigger. The Those who are going into below poverty levels in the United States, that gap is getting much bigger. Now here's another quote from uh, Ely uh, Vissel, and it says, there may be times when we are powerless to prevent injustice, but there must never be a time when we fail to protest. Silence encourages the tormentors, never the tormented. So that's interesting because the world Uh, is looking at the inequalities and also the racism that exist in all parts of the world. So the United States and the rest of the world. 1 Corinthians now going on to the next theme, the first chapter, third through ninth verse, it says the need for teachers and mentors. We have a need for teachers and mentors. Why? Because we need to locate or relocate the pathway that Christ would take in times like these. Paul is encouraging in 1 Corinthians, he's encouraging the people and he's letting them know how thankful he is for them and he is asking the Lord to strengthen them. So if you were to read farther, so 1 Corinthians 3rd through say the 17th verse, then it reminds you of situations today in America. This is what uh, 1 Corinthians, the 10th verse says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the, sa- in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. 11 says, My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this, One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ. In Christ, is there division? And Paul goes on and he says, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Today, Paul could actually ask in America, is Christ divided? Were Democrats crucified for you? Were Republicans crucified for you? Were Independents crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Democrats, Republicans, Independents? Or were you baptized in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Why are we divided? We are the body of Christ, which means that Christ is our head, And he uses our arms, our feet, our mouth, our eyes, our hearts. He uses those as his body. 
to reach out to each other. Paul continues to say, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. For those of us who are spiritual directors, teachers, and mentors, we are to help people find their way back to following the ways of Jesus Christ. Our hearts are formed by what we worship, and right now, people are worshiping demands uh, our time, what they're worshiping does demand our time, our attention, and our wish list. What are we going to purchase next? And so that has become the point of our worship, what we want, what we spend time on, whether that's looking at TV or looking at Netflix or whatever it may be. So whereas in worship, when we worship God, worship empties us of clutter, it cleans us up, it places our house in order, and it sets the table for the presence of God. This is the time of Advent, to seek hope, joy, love, and peace. This seeking should not be just for one day or Advent season, but throughout our lives. It is a shift in our thinking. God does not leave us. However, we tend to leave him shortly after December 25th. And I think some of us leave him before December 25th because we are so in debt that we are not even happy to see December 25th. So what we need to imagine is that God is always with us. That way, we can have hope, joy, love, and peace as a gift to each other. The, the fourth uh, theme is Mark 13th, chapter 24th through 37th verse, and it means we need to wake up and remain awake. The 32nd scripture says of Mark, the 13th chapter, But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard, be alert, be awake. The World Economic Forum focus is to make the world a better place for the next generation. Clean air, clean skies, and all of that. So now let us be alert so that we can see why it is that the Economic World Forum is now looking at making the world a better place, something that Jesus would do. That means we need to watch what I say to you, and that's verse 37, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch, so be alert. I happen to be on the distribution list for the Israel Institute of Biblical Studies. And so every week they send me a cute little story to remind me and others <laughs> that are on the distribution list of how to be more like Christ. So one uh, week they actually sent, this is what a Christian is. So I think in America, they think we've forgotten what Christianity is. So, but this time they sent uh, a message about King Solomon. Now, as you know, King Solomon was a ruler of ancient Israel and he was known for his wisdom. 
So when God appeared and asked Solomon, what would uh, he like to have rather than asking for material wealth? Solomon responded, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? This is the most humbling question uh, in the Bible. So for us as spiritual and biblical leaders, we should ask our Heavenly Father this, how do we teach or mentor God, your wonderful people, whom you have given us a responsibility for. And this story that we're talking about with King Solomon, and this is a famous story. It is about two prostitutes who had each had a baby. And it says that one of those prostitutes rolled over on her baby by accident in the night while she was asleep, and it killed her baby. So the next day, both women claimed the one live child. And so since they could not settle it, they were arguing over the child. King Solomon came in and he would end up, he said, I'll cut the baby in half and give each of you one half. And so one of the women said they agreed with his decision to automatically cut the baby in half. The other mother said, no, I will give the child away. So the true parent stepped aside to give her child away rather than have the child divided. We in the United States of America have been divided. The one who truly loves God, their family, their neighbors, and their co-workers will choose to reunite rather than continuing to tear apart what has been formed as the United States of America. So may we love and respect our Father God because He is truly the Father of all of us, the fatherless, the widows, the immigrants, the ethnicities, the nationalities, all nationalities and all ethnicities, social constructs, men, women, children, born and unborn, Hope, love, peace, and joy is what we should be exhibiting this season toward everyone, all of the body of Christ. And so Isaiah 29, 13 says, The Lord said, People draw near me with their mouth, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Lord Jesus, Son of God, please have mercy on us sinners. Lord Jesus, Son of God, please have mercy on us sinners. Lord Jesus, Son of God, please have mercy on us sinners. I'm so happy that you took the time to think about Advent 
and what that truly means in our life. I thank you for thinking with me. May God bless your Christmas day, your Christmas season, and the rest of your life as you go forth with joy, peace, hope, and love for all humanity. Amen.